because after last season, I had so many health issues last year. And then I discovered Honey Power. <laughs> that, is, that is the greatest marketing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Hello, how are we doing, guys? Very good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, so, so uh, RJ, we have a special guest with us today. You bet. Yes, all yeah. the way from, well, Switzerland, I guess, but uh, Estonia. Johanna, very happy to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, had a yeah. rough one out there today, but otherwise I'm good. <laughs> so we're uh, recording on uh, Wednesday the 25th. So uh, Johanna just, Johanna, correct? Yes. So I, I I apologize. I, it is well known by pretty much anybody who listens to this that I have like a, a dyslexia when it comes to names, and so I always mispronounce. So um, so I apologize. But um, but Johanna uh, raced in the European Championships in the individual today, and um, and then she's sharing her time with us. Uh, I guess it's evening time in Switzerland. Uh, so we we're we we're very thankful to to have her on. So you were alluding to. Uh... The race not going exactly as planned. Was it um, the, the skiing, the shooting, or the combination? Was it just not feeling good today? Or yeah, I I woke up feeling not so great. Like I'm not sick, but I wasn't feeling hmm. feeling well, and I think that really messed with my my head too. Like if you're not feeling hundred percent, it's really hard to focus as well. So. Right. I think that was that was my issue today, but I've been struggling this whole season with uh, some confidence. So, and did you make any changes in the summer, or was it just not quite clicking? Or, well, confidence is more like in your head. Mm. You don't really need to make any changes. Like last year, I had a um, a lot of health issues, so I had like a really bad season. And this year, I was really like hoping to come back strong. But I guess sometimes you want it too badly and then mm-hmm. things don't click right away. And then, you know, the doubts start sneaking in. So, yeah. Is it also like, do you feel like you were overthinking it a bit, too, like too focused on wanting to do well? Yeah. Yeah. You know, happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it totally does. And, and you're right. Because sometimes you can you can push, you know, if you're coming back from health issues or injuries and you're you're trying to, um, trying to, you know, trying to recapture the the form right away, and um, yeah, no, it can just be. I'm in the be. hotel with the team, and it's a little loud. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Yeah. So actually, let's. Uh, do you mind? I who's all who's all with you right now? Uh, I'm like alone in the room, but my roommate came in, and they uh, are all like chatting in the hallway. So <laughs> <laughs> they're they're enjoying their time. They're uh, and they want to be on uh, too. It, well, yeah, I invite everybody. So. We can have a whole have a whole group on, but um, yeah, so so very cool. Um, yeah, you can you can. And I see this. I work with uh, you know, I'm, I I I work with uh, pay, uh, athletes. I'm a I'm a physician, and then um, you know, I have a, a handful, and we see it right because your natural reaction is you want to recapture how you were feeling before it, and then it doesn't happen the first race. So then you start pressing a little bit more, and whether it's you know tennis or golf or track and field or whatever you know, you're, you, you, you can sort of, you know, 
get get stuck in that loop. So um, yeah, I, I'll tell you what. Just everybody I've worked with, you're not alone, and I know you know this, but and in, uh, in terms of of trying to find it, it'll come. You just need that. You need that feeling to come back. Yeah. And I'm hoping that like some extra pressure when I'm feeling good and have a race that really matters, like for example, at world champs, that will help me because I've been performing so much better in the relays when there's like the the expectation of the whole team. But then mm-hmm. when it comes to like any individual races or like individual, I mean like sprints and individuals, sure, yeah. I've been shooting so much worse. So, yeah. It's really fascinating, right? How, uh, how just, having that different mentality of the relays and i and i've i've talked about this some too but like it totally changes your perspective um and and it can it can free you up a little bit right and and that's what you're talking about here that's actually how you and i how we started talking was uh uh you guys had an awesome relay um this was in repolding and yep. finished in eighth place and and uh i had i just said it was a great finish and you you chimed in and you let me know this is uh, tied the best finish ever for Estonia. Yeah, we're such a small country that like to have a full relay team is is a big deal. And yes, we can often start the, like a full relay team, but the whoever like the third and fourth member are sometimes are like really young or like really inexperienced or like maybe not in their best shape. But currently, it's like we have four girls or women, I guess. Um, who have all scored World Cup points have like at least a few seasons on the World Cup behind them. So we all are capable of performing well on that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're all, all kind of in the same age category, right? Like I think the yeah. youngest is 24 on your team. Is that right? Well, I mean, at least I mean, in root holding in the, in the relay. I guess I think 25. Oh, 25. Okay. Uli, uh, uh, Susan and Regina are both born '96, and um, Tuli is born '95, and I'm born '93. So yeah, but we like we have all known each other and trained together since we were really young. So yeah, mm-hmm. we are kind of in the same age group. Right, right. So, yeah. When you guys have you've grown up together as biathletes. Yeah, we. Uh, all trained in the same training group when we were younger at least like some periods like or some right. camps and like yeah and is the the national training center is that in Tallinn or no actually hmm. which is really weird because there's no biathlon range in Tallinn whatsoever hmm. there are ski trails but they're not like super like a lot of people use them but they're not like considered the best ski trails in Estonia right right so the the main place where we train is Otepe, where the World Cup was last year, and um, a lot of us like now like live there or have apartments there. Mm-hmm. I don't, and um, but yeah, a lot of people are based out of there now. Okay, and and just for reference, how far? Because you live in Tallinn, right? Tip, or yes. well, you're not on. The, how far of a drive is that to Otepe? About two and a half hours. Oh, so okay. it's really so not that close. Manageable, yeah. Just for reference, Estonia is a relatively small nation. How long does it take to go from end to end? Um, well, if you do not consider the islands, maybe like from the furthest point to the 
other furthest point, maybe four hours. Oh, right. So, <laughs> so where I was actually, where I was going with this is that you guys have all kind of grown up together as biathletes and you mentioned training together from a really young age. I mean, with, with Estonia being such a, a, a small country, like you guys must've been aware of each other, you know, pretty early on. Cause you start seeing each other at like the, the same, like the training or the events, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We all started in the club in uh, Tallinn. So mm-hmm. the biggest biathlon club is in Tallinn, which is weird, but because Tallinn <laughs> is the capital yeah. and, um, there's just like some coaches who have, uh, just like brought together a big group. So we grew up going to camps together and doing a lot of the camps because we just couldn't train at home. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that we're all from Tallinn. We all started there together and uh but yeah even if you would be from some other place in Estonia you race together and there wasn't that many of us even when we were young so mm-hmm. we have all grown up together and um if i calculate quickly were you 15 when you started biathlon That's were correct, you yeah. cross country skiing before that or yes so but like only a year and a half before that. So I was 13 when I went to my first ever ski practice, which is pretty late. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't doing any sport. Sorry? Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. Um, I was going to ask, is uh, cross-country skiing a big sport in Estonia or is it it commonly done by people there? Yes, it used to be really big. It used to be like called like the national sport. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. It was very popular on TV. It was shown on TV every weekend on the national TV. But I guess now biathlon is that sport. <laughs> so Okay. Well, thanks to you guys. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I would like to think that. <laughs> well, you should think that. They're not yeah, so happy no, with sure. the results right now. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you got to look at the whole, the whole career, right? So. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was going to ask, what were you doing before that? Because usually people don't go from being doing nothing to, to cross-country skiing. So I'm sure there was some other sport or something you were doing when you were younger. Actually, I wasn't doing anything seriously. I did huh. some ballroom dancing. Not seriously Whoa. at all. I never like competed, but just I did it for fun. Um, but then I was just like a really active kid. So I... I started like um I started going on those like community runs. Mm-hmm. Um there was this event to encourage people to like move more. So there was a 3 to 5 kilometer run every Wednesday and it was like in like different parks in Tallinn and we signed up uh to that and actually my classmate invited me and my family so it was really weird. It was like my classmate his father um, me, my brother, and our mom. So we looked like a family, even though we were not. <laughs> and we were in, I think we were in third grade. And my brother is a year younger than me. So like we were really young. And these were not competitions. They were timed, but like there were no prizes given out for the best time or anything like that. It was more like encouraging people to move. And yeah, I think that kind of like started the tradition of like, you know, going out and running and just like being outside. And I also grew up in a, in a smaller place, which is not that far from Tallinn, like mm-hmm. an hour away. 
And you really, if you wanted to see your friend or anything, you always had to like bike there or walk there because there was no like bus system. So that's what happened. And of course, I already mentioned I have a brother and there were a lot of just like boys around and I always like hung out with the boys and like on our bikes and I was like a good kid. I was home at 9 p.m. But like then at 11 p.m. we were gone again <laughs> because it was still like summer. But we were like not doing anything like stupid. We were just like exploring the woods, you know. Mm-hmm. And is yeah, that so, uh, Johan is your brother? Is he yeah, on? Exactly. He's on the RBU Cup or yeah, RBU Cup. Is, is that what he's doing? He's retired from biathlon now. But oh, okay. yeah, he was. Uh, he did some World Cups. He was a reserve in Bian- Pyeongchang Olympics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, mostly he was on the IBU Cup. And like, I think his best result is uh, a third place in junior European Championships in the mixed mm-hmm. relay. Okay. And yeah. is he still involved with biathlon? Not as an athlete, but with the team or? Not. On daily basis, he did uh, race in the Estonian Championships as a like in the Masters class or whatever that's called. Right. Yeah, but like, not he's not doing biathlon on like everyday basis or not involved with a team in any way currently. Okay, so I got to circle yeah. back on two things here. So one of them is Johan and Johanna. So is this a family name? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people ask me that. I I know the story that my parents told me was that um, they just wanted names that are similar, but that are like international. <laughs> that they, okay. like, it would be easy yeah. to like say. And like my um, parents lived in Finland when before I was born, so mm-hmm. Johanna is kind of a Finnish name, and Johanna mm-hmm. is also like Scandinavian name. So maybe that's the influence. And then ballroom dancing, uh, I had to come back to this. So what was your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite dance? Oh. That's a really difficult question. Um, it is. So I had to take a... Cha-cha-cha. Oh, there you go. I, I had to take... Um, we had to take PE classes when I was at uh, university. And uh, for whatever dumb reason, I chose ballroom dance. And uh, okay. so, yeah, I was... Uh, waltzing was was my go-to, right? I feel like <laughs> pretty pretty uh, easy to know the <laughs> the, base, the, the base steps. So. Oh, that's man. classical. Like, that's something everyone yeah. has to know. So that's good. Right. Yeah, you got to know the waltz, right? But I think there's benefits in the, you know, for coordination and and balance that you get from dancing that you maybe wouldn't get somewhere else. You know, maybe, 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 I was going to say, maybe JT Bo would have liked to have known some ballroom (laughs) dance and and honesty when he was, you know, slip and sliding all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. I would have recommended him Solomon's keys, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Look, yeah. we can tease him when you've won eleven of fourteen races. You you can oh, yeah. you can be teased a little bit. <laughs> wow! And what was his final result for that day? Was he fifth or something? Like oh, still in the top ten? I think right? he was still third. I think he was still third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. He's just too good. So um, your your parents were living in Finland at the time. Now uh, I. I'll be honest. My Eastern European history isn't isn't tremendous, but. Um, Estonia was part of the USSR and then, yes. right. And so were they in Finland because of that and then moved back? And if you don't want to answer that question, that's totally fine. But um, just thinking about when you were born, you know, shortly after, you know, the the breakup of the USSR and, and how that sort of impacted um, Estonia and you growing up and all that. 
because I wasn't born, I cannot remember. Mm, but, sure, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know my mom was in school in Finland mm-hmm. and it was pretty like a, a rare opportunity to go abroad mm-hmm. and somehow they both like uh, had that opportunity and so they used it. I don't want to mix up the details and I'm not completely sure how. It wasn't like they were like refugees in there. Mm-hmm. They were just like short time, like they were there for a short time, not like a sure. mm-hmm. few days, but like just like I think yeah. like. Months or years, exchange student, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the deal, and they moved back before I was born. And at that time, Estonia was already free. I was born in '93, and um, Estonia got independent in '91. So there was a little bit of a gap there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, and then uh, and then we started this whole conversation with uh, with with the relays, and so uh, this this actually does loop back because when you look back at the very like those early years, so like the early early nineties, that they had a they had a handful of finishes like eighth, ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth, and then there was this big long gap, and then suddenly you show up and they start uh, finishing in the in the top ten again. So I think we should credit you and your your cohort here for Absolutely. bringing Estonia back. Well. I haven't really looked, but I'm sure the field was definitely not as deep <laughs> in the early days. Not mm. to discredit any of the early biathletes, I think they had their own struggles with a like a recently independent country and all that kind of stuff, and like mm. just like establishing our sport in general in the mm-hmm. sports world. Um, because I know the women were first allowed to compete in biathlon in the Olympic Games in '92, so mm-hmm. like. It wasn't that long ago, right. and nope. so yeah, I think the field wasn't as deep at the big like at first when we we're talking about women's relays, um, and yeah, then we just struggled. And like as a small country, we won't have like this stable like influx of talent, if you want to say that. Like it's gonna fluctuate. It's gonna be like at times we're gonna have really good teams. We're gonna have really big stars. We're gonna have times when we are not so good and we are struggling to even stay on the world cup mm-hmm. and actually i was the only woman to qualify to um pyeongchang olympics from estonia mm-hmm. which like was a big bummer because we had a full team in sochi and the full team in beijing so mm-hmm. you know i think it's um sort of a normal thing for a small country to not have such stable results and it's not because the athletes are worse it's just like we're not going to have the same talent pool as the bigger countries mm-hmm. oh yeah um and and rj can will will attest to this too but we've talked to like matthias Ahrens, um who's worked with the the develop the, the the younger canadian biathletes recently and um he'll say the same thing you know and, and it's not like he he tells his athletes that it's not that smaller countries like you said it's not like the athletes are worse it's not like they work less hard they're just fewer of them and fewer opportunities necessarily to, to identify them. So, you know, so that the fact that you guys have come together, all four of you and uh, had these results, like it, it really is worth celebrating. I agree. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes it's really hard for our sports fans to understand, like, why are you not winning? Like blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And it's like, biathlon is a huge sport in Europe and even outside, you know, like it's a big sport. It's not like, they're comparing our results to like former cross country days. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. these things are not comparable. So yeah, it's, uh, 
it's something that like it's hard to understand like everyone wants to win but it's it's hard to understand that it's it's everyone is trying even the person that's getting the last place on the world cup right. is still at a really high level oh yeah and I'll so is what, your team oh good oh i was just gonna say real quick I, they would the last person on the world cup would would certainly blast me off the course so you know <laughs> <laughs> they're still incredible i was going to ask are you um supported by the by the state as the as a team or is it more on a individual basis or sponsorship or it's it varies so there is this like um so our olympic committee is our state funding um and there's like levels of support there's like a b c levels uh Tuli and susan are currently on the c level support which is the the lowest mm-hmm. um me and Regina were cut after or after last season, so uh, we're not getting any of that support. Um, the Olympic Committee is still supporting like our national federation with some funds, but they're not that, like named um, mm. support levels. It's pretty complex, but yeah. So my like the support comes some support comes to us from the national federation, but we still heavily rely on sponsors. Right, right. Yeah. And then for the for the wax team, do you feel that your country is sort of behind other teams? Not so much for the people that work in the team, but more, you know, just capacity, having a truck, that kind of thing. Or I think that's one part that we're actually like doing really well in. Um, there are Estonians working in a lot of uh, other uh, national teams. So I think Estonians are like really good wax techs (laughs) in general. And like there's, it's this knowledge that is like passed on. Like you cannot go to school and study to be a wax tech. It's these like, those like secrets that are passed on, like from a friend to friend or like father to son. And we have some of those examples. And Hmm. so there are some um, Estonians that are working in other teams. We have wax techs in Polish team. We have wax techs in, Finnish team in biathlon, um, in the Finnish team in cross country. There were a lot of Estonians um, in the Russian cross country team, um, previously in the Polish cross country and some other teams too, like Kazakhstan. So Estonian wax techs are like well-known internationally, actually. So that's pretty cool. I think we, I think that's the part that we are not like lagging behind on, but it's also like, we have a smaller team. The athletes are not supported so well as like the bigger teams or the travel. Like we often cannot afford charter flights. So we have right. longer travel days and yeah. And like, just like finding the strongest um, training companions or like we yeah. have um, one coach that is responsible for uh women's team, men's team, both like shooting part and skiing part. And also some of the juniors and it's all mm-hmm. under one person. So it's not like the, the women's team has a, a head coach and assistant coach, and then a men's team has the same. And so it's like, um, yeah, there, there are differences, but I think right. waxing is one part where we are actually pretty well off. And, um, do you, since we're talking about waxing, do you think once the IBU is going to fully ban the fluorite, do you think it will bring, the nations a bit closer to each other, or do you think there's still so many differences with the non-fluoride waxes? I 
actually, there's been some dis- discussion, and I think the number of skis will actually make a bigger difference um, okay. uh, than when we ban the fluoros, which, like, I think should still be done for health and environmental reasons. Mm-hmm. But, like, then the ski, the pair itself is going to be more important the the grind that is under the ski all that kind of stuff so the teams that have their own like um, grind machine or the teams that have more skis they're mm-hmm. still going to benefit from it but that's just um, like what we think is going to happen we'll see right. what the situation mm-hmm. will actually be and then at one other sort of side question I was just wondering is there any collaboration between your country and Latvia and Lithuania, or is that all very separate? Uh, not on like everyday training basis. Like we are not like training together hmm. all the time. But of course, like if um, if like someone needs a ride to another venue, and or there's like a I don't know, there's some way we can help each other. We're always helpful, and I know currently. For the Canmore IBU Cups, we're like collaborating with the Finns about mm. like the equipment or like, um, I don't know, like zeroing because we don't have um, all the resources to send like a coach and the wax tech. So maybe we're right. just going to be able to send a coach and mm. so, or just a wax tech. Look, I don't know exactly the details, but right. like I know that there's going to be some collaboration there. I remember a few years ago when there was a World Cup in Canmore, we, um, had a joint wax team. So there were some Estonians from the Estonian team and some um, Finns from the Finnish side who also is our Estonian. And so they worked together to wax our skis and the Finns skis, for example. Right, so right. both teams benefited from it, which was good. Yeah. So there's some collaboration, but not like that we are always training together. Right, right. So you mentioned that you were you were dropped from the the funding um, this year. So if you don't want me asking like how, what for you, like, what are you doing to make ends meet? I mean, you still have to, right. When you're in off season, you still got to live, still got to eat. Right. So, so what other ways do you get support? So the Federation is still um, helping uh, me. So that's how I get like my, all like the social security and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh, um, paid for. And, um, I also, uh, work a little bit part-time, uh, remotely. Um, sometimes I do like all the kinds of odd jobs. Like I've worked a lot of events this last summer and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it is a struggle, but, Uh and also like still, of course, my, uh, individual sponsors are huge, Mm. huge part. So that's the, that's the, yeah, these are all the main things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I Shout think there's out. a program in the IBU, right? That the I guess bigger nations share a bit with the smaller nations financially, or yeah, but that's not like directly coming to the athletes. It's going right. to yeah. the federations. So yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, you said you work remotely. Yeah. So when do you find time to do that? Between training sessions, before and after the races, oh, all man. that kind of stuff. So it's it's about it's about like 
I actually love it. I love to have something else going on in my life mm-hmm. as well besides biathlon. So that's something that's really, really cool. And that's something that I also like to work for something that I believe in. So I work for this um, uh, energy bar slash gel brand that's like natural and is made out of using honey and it's an Estonian product, Honey Power. Cool. So um, what's it called? That's Honey Power. Honey Power. Yeah. All right. So is this something you can, can you order it online? Yes. So, and do they ship, do you know, do they ship uh, internationally or is it just kind of like more in in that area? It's definitely doable. (laughs) Awesome. All right. We're going to get some honey power. Maybe we'll get some, I don't know how quickly we can ship them. Maybe we can get them in uh, RJ. Maybe we can snack on them while we're doing our our world championship pods. (laughs) I don't know how the international shipments are going right now but <laughs> well, well we'll put the order in and we'll see yeah <laughs> yeah or i could like put some in my teammates bag when, bags when they come to canmore there you go yeah are, are there any uh, athletes coming to the ibu cup in a couple of weeks in canmore yes oh, not so go. many but i think three oh, yeah. yeah just slide a few in their their bags let's do it <laughs> please yeah we would be thrilled yeah um do you know this is this is obviously a uh um a year away do you think that you will be coming to canmore um i would love to (laughs) yes okay good that's the answer we want to hear yeah no canmore is a beautiful place and since uh i lived in montana and went to school there Mm -hmm. um yeah we used to like come down for some races that were not world cups but i've been there for a world cup twice too so it's it's so beautiful in there um i was actually going to ask you about this so how did you end up coming to montana for school um a lot of things just like worked out it was after sochi olympics so i was still 20 at a time but i had already competed a full world cup season before sochi Mm -hmm. and um after sochi um, at the time the Olympic committee's funding was different. So we, um, our national team lost a lot of funding. We didn't have a coach. I was still 20 years old. And like, at, suddenly I had this like pressure to perform, but I had no resources to do it. And I still like, I was only 15 when I started biathlon. So I wasn't that experienced mm-hmm. and I felt like I needed more time at the same time. I wanted to go to school. But um, most of the universities in Estonia are in Tallinn, uh, mm-hmm. where there's no shooting range. Um, and so, or where I couldn't really train. So that was really difficult. And so I was looking for places where I could go to school and or university and I could still train. And I didn't have a lot of uh, financial means to like make it work. Mm-hmm. So... It was perfect because I earned a scholarship to compete in NCAA skiing, which was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And I also could go to school because education was important. And I was looking for a place that also had a biathlon range nearby. And luckily, Bozeman had it. And um, yeah, now it's Crosscut. But at the time, it was called Bridger and Biathlon Club. It was like, um, it was very new. There were mostly really young kids in the club who are now, like some of them are now competing internationally, which is really cool to see. And I can see those kids 
at international races. It's just, it's just so amazing to see that growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's like a huge new range there, roller loop, all that kind of stuff. And, but at a time it was just like a really, really, really small club. And yeah, it was just kids and the range was like, it was used as a ski stadium stadium. So the range mm-hmm. wasn't really used and there were like safety issues because like people were used to skiing in there between the targets and the the shooting <laughs> mats. And so it was, it was a whole different time, but like, it is so cool to see that place grow. And yeah, like I didn't do it, but it was so cool to be there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like, I hope I could like at least inspire them. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Well, clearly awesome. you did yeah. if they're racing internationally now. Yeah, I hope so. So did you, uh, how long were you in Montana for? How long were you, were you studying there? Was it like a full four years or how long was that? Uh, yeah, it was a four-year program. I graduated in three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did a full, full school load there or sometimes more. Um, but yeah, I was trying to still compete internationally at times and, mm-hmm. Clearly, like, the training situation was pretty good because Bozeman is an awesome place to be a skier. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of snow, a lot of opportunities for cross-country skiing. And since I had a team to train with, uh, but I couldn't really shoot that much because, first of all, my yeah. schedule was really, really busy uh, with already, like, all the ski team training, mm-hmm. classes and studying and all that kind of stuff. So I only had, like, once or twice a week on a good oh. week to go yeah. shooting. Hmm. And actually, my first semester, when I first moved out, I filled out the wrong form for the U.S. rifle paperwork, so I couldn't oh, no. bring my rifle. I could only bring my stock, which is just <laughs> like a piece of wood, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I good brought it along, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll make some friends who can like <laughs> lend me like a rifle or something. And yeah. I could shoot a few times, uh, which I have to thank like Altius in West Yellowstone for, for like letting me use their rifle for our Thanksgiving camp in West Yellowstone. And so, yeah, I, I didn't shoot for four months because I didn't have a rifle. I couldn't dry fire because I only had a stock and it's not that (laughs) useful to only dry fire with a stock. And then I flew over on the day of Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, uh, straight to Stockholm. My team picked me up, brought my rifle and uh, <laughs> drove straight to Estersund. <laughs> and that was a Friday when we arrived at Estersund. On Sunday, there was a mixed relay on the World Cup. I cleaned. Wow. And then on Wednesday, Maybe there that's was your an secret. individual. <laughs> I don't know. And then on Wednesday, there was an individual. I hit my first 19. And the last oh one gosh. was a splitter. It didn't fall. Oh. But I got my best ever placement on the World Cup at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. You really don't have to train to shoot well, I guess. Okay, like, that was the initial thing. But, like, my shooting percentage dropped a lot. And, like, I lost a lot of my shooting speed, to be Hmm. fair. But, yeah, like, just I think the main thing is not to freak out if you cannot shoot. If you're, like, injured or whatever happens, you're not going to lose the skill. Like, Mm -hmm. in four four months, apparently. Well, and I guess at at the same time, maybe – because of you know the not perfect preparations it feels like it's okay if it wasn't going well because you had a a good reason for it so maybe that takes a bit of pressure off i was going to ask uh, you mentioned uh, i was going to ask about it and then you actually mentioned altius guns is that mark shepherd that you uh 
connected with. Yes, yeah, he's, exactly. he's still because I, I just recently bought some uh, a harness and some other products from him. So he's uh, <laughs> he's still active from Bozeman. He's very well known. And uh, I don't know if he's a gunsmith, but he does a lot of smithing. And uh, he's a, exactly what and it's great to hear that he uh, already was around there to help you out. So, yeah, it's a funny story because like I got his contact, I emailed him and like, hi, I'm this random girl from Estonia. Like I'm a biathlete. I competed in Sochi Olympics. <laughs> Could I use your rifle for like four days? When I'm in West <laughs> and he, like, he had no idea who I am at first, but I guess he heard, that I'm a real person from the Olsen Bozeman. <laughs> like, he was kind enough to let me use his rifle. So, Oh, man. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that, that what was, were you studying when you were in Montana? Business management. Okay. All right. So what's yeah. the dream? If uh, once uh, once you're, 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 you've finished a, a wildly successful career in biathlon, and then what's next? I wish I would have a, like, a concrete answer. But yeah. business management is like broad enough that you could do almost anything so, sure yeah yeah we'll see you could do take you think- over honey power <laughs> it's a really small company but yeah hopefully <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna grow it, it certainly is yes do you do you see yourself stay in biathlon in some way or form after you're no longer competing um maybe but I really don't know yet. Like, right. I'm not yeah. going to rule it out. There's a chance that I'll stay. There's a chance that I'll need a break. There is a chance that I don't want to do anything with biathlon. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think cross, that's... Cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah. It, it, I think we've had other athletes on, and and that sounds like, you know, despite the privilege of being on the World Cup, there's also a lot of downtime and crazy traveling and not seeing your family and friends for a long time. So it's uh, often with these kinds of jobs, they're, they're great when you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, but there's a lot of, I guess, side, side things that uh, are maybe not as exciting. Yeah, so I can, I, I can imagine when you're done your career, you're like, I, I need a break from the traveling and uh, the not so fun aspects of the biathlete's life. Yeah, but I've sometimes wondered, like, do I even know how to live, like, a stable life? <laughs> like, I don't have the yeah. skills, but it's also, like, or maybe it's just so simple, and I didn't know that it could be so simple. Yeah, we'll I, I, I have a feeling you might find it boring pretty quick. That's that's one thing I know is, like, the whatever I'll end up doing, it's going to have to be, like, a challenge that... I mm-hmm. really like feel strongly about mm-hmm. that like has a purpose for me. And so that's definitely something that I know about what I'll, whatever I'll be doing, but I haven't quite figured out yet what, what it is going to be. Well, by that time, uh, the honey, sorry, and I forgot the name, honey, Bart, power. honey, power, honey, power is a international company, right? So still going to be we'll doing some traveling it's already in <laughs> germany too so you can you definitely buy it in germany well, <laughs> well we can you know, set up a distribution center in north america so well i was going to say the key is that honey power becomes the title sponsor of the penalty loop podcast <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. um actually i'm i'm in all honesty i'm very excited to try these 
Oh, for sure. It tastes yeah. like honey. <laughs> well, good. Like, it'll be. Do you? Do you? Did you um come in contact with them as a somebody who was looking for energy bars, or do do you know them from when you were younger? Or well, that's actually another story. <laughs> so this uh, Estonia. First of all, Estonia is really small. So mm -hmm. if you're in endurance sports, everyone knows everyone. And this uh, spring, or actually. Um, a few years ago during COVID, I started doing a little bit of adventure racing, uh, but in Estonia, it's adventure racing is this crazy sport where you use a map to navigate around, um, change your means of sport, like mountain biking, running, mm -hmm. um, kayaking, pretty much like whatever, um, they tell you to do. Um, and then I did some races in Estonia and women are not like really that keen on trying like things that seem really, really hard, but I'm always like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I have no idea what's going to be waiting for me, but yeah, let's try it. And then this uh, last winter, actually I was uh, in Beijing and some of the guys that I um, kind of knew from adventure racing mm -hmm. asked me like, Hey, we're like looking for a female member to come to expedition Africa with us. And I was like, uh, okay, sounds interesting. Like, send me more information. And then <laughs> he sent me the, the trailer video. And I was pretty much like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I had no idea what I'm going to get myself into. It's like It was like a four and a half day adventure in Lesotho, which is like really high on elevation. Yeah, yeah. In, it's a country inside South Africa. And just like four and a half days in a row, like just going on a bike, on foot, on a kayak. Yeah, it, it was wild, but it was so fun. And so actually, uh, Honey Power is like the title sponsor of um, that team. So, okay. Oh, I was wondering when we were going to come back to Honey Power. <laughs> yeah. What an um, amazing place. I, I actually was in South Africa for a while and I've been to Lesotho as well. And it's beautiful. Like what a what an amazing environment to do a race in or or like an adventure. Yeah, yeah. And we went to places where like I think no like white human has like ever stepped foot in or like it's wow. just like it's insane. We went to the most remote places. Yeah, it it was it was so cool and such an amazing experience. And like the people there are just like they're stunned to see you and they don't understand what they're, what you're doing. You don't have a language to communicate in, but you mm. can tell that they are so welcoming and just like mm -hmm. so warm in their hearts. It's, it's mm -hmm. incredible. Were you there just for the, for the race itself or did you spend some more time there before or after? A little bit before and after, but like not that much, you know, mm. unfortunately. If I, if I look distracted it's because I pulled up your Instagram, I vaguely remember seeing these, these pictures of these yep. races did you do another one in france last summer yes i did another one in france and then i did um adventure racing world championships in paraguay in september so and it was all with the like the same team we switched up one member for the world champs mm. but yeah so we actually qualified to the world champs um from paraguay so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it worked it was wild. never in my wildest dreams i didn't even like I didn't even think that it could ever like happen 
because I told you, like, I had no idea what I'm getting myself into when we went to uh-huh. episode two. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I, I'm I'm actually quite jealous of you. That sounds like an amazing, amazing adventure. Yeah, because after last season, I had so many health issues last year. And I was struggling every single day in in training, at races. Like, I was just, like, physically, like, it was, everything was so hard. I was counting steps in trainings. It was mm. just... It was just a miserable time. And I was like, I was pretty sure I was going to be done with biathlon because it was just not a good time. It wasn't improving. I wasn't like loving it at all. It was the yeah. opposite. And then I went to Lizuto in the spring and I just like found the love of like sport or like being active yeah. again and being outdoors. And like, it just like was something so new and foreign to me but it was just like a new way of uh, pushing limits. And it was just, it was just incredible. Well, do you mind sharing what you were going through uh, when you had the health issues? I had a really weird kind of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened last year in August and September. So I just, at first I had a fever for a long period of time and I had no idea why. Oh, someone's knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to open the door first. And then when you were telling about last season, not going very well, I was waiting for you to say, and then I discovered honey power. (laughs) That is is the greatest marketing thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're actually just going to cut that. We're going to cut that and put it right at the front of the the podcast. Perfect. All right. So you had this weird pneumonia and, uh, and then it was just a struggle after that. Yes. And like, that's what my, like the lung doctor told me, like, you're going to be tired for a couple months now. Well, I was Mm -hmm. really tired. Like it was, it was so difficult to even get out of bed in the morning. Like looking back, I have no idea how I raced the whole season, but with a small team, that's the problem. We don't have anyone else to put in. Mm -hmm. So I still had to, like, unfortunately, I was still our fourth, fourth yeah. best. Yeah. Well, and it, it does look like you had a little bit of a surge at the end of the year. So maybe you were starting to come out of it a little bit. But I, I truthfully like that, that kind of thing, especially when it happens, you know, August, September, um, and it's just a couple months before your season starts, like you're, you're on the back foot and you're really never going to catch up. I mean, you, you lose that amount of time and it's, it, you're, it's, it's not like you said, you're, you're going to feel miserable for the entire season. Exactly. And like, I was starting to get better by the end of the season for sure. Cause just more time had passed. Mm-hmm. And I think it wasn't so much the lack of training or the training that I missed in August and September. It was more that like, I was just still feeling horrible, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I think I would have performed better if I would just have missed the training, but felt yeah. fine, you know, yeah. I think that was the, that was the, yeah. Absolutely. But well, and, hoping and to make a even, comeback now after doing those weird, weird races in the summer. Well, in this case, even, even with that, you guys still had a, like an eighth and a ninth place finish in the relays. Um, so you, like you mentioned earlier, you know, when, when the team is counting on you having like that, that different sort of mindset and coming through. So um, that's pretty amazing. But actually where I was going with all this is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, 
well known, you know, Tyrell Ekhoff is is has not been feeling the greatest, you know, and and appears to be taking, you know, the rest of the season off. And it almost feels like she's doing a little bit of what you did last summer, right? Just like totally disconnecting. And sometimes you just you just need to reset and like you said, find that love again of uh of, of sport and and just being out there. Yeah. I don't know exactly what's happening with her and mm-hmm. her health. I've heard some rumors, but it's also like I think it's her story to tell. Yeah. Um but yes, I absolutely agree that like taking time off or like totally doing something else can be really beneficial, mm-hmm. especially because our sport is mental as in like oh, such yeah. a huge way as well. So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and and I think we've even seen other like uh JT Bo at the end of last season, like he he said after the Olympics, like he was drained and he just took the last three weeks off and just to get away and reset clearly worked out maybe that's the key everyone just take you know uh, a trimester off and you'll start winning every race (laughs) if it would just be that easy yeah right (laughs) um maybe it's not uh, so much a taken off but it's more (laughs) don't but that you don't race when you're just not feeling it right yes there's probably so much pressure on athletes to still compete like you were saying you were the fourth on the on the team you don't want to let the team down so even though maybe in your back of your head, you're thinking I should probably not do this, but yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I also like used up so much of my like mental energy last season just to mm-hmm. like push through every time. And like it was the Olympic season, and of course, like I was in in theory, I was at the best age to like finally like do my best results, and I had been improving and. And like really was looking forward to these Olympic games and then to go there and know that I'm like so far off from my best and just still like having to perform and still like, I'm actually so proud that I, I cleaned in the sprint because it was such a mental struggle to like, you know, go out there, give your best and know Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be close to your best results. Mm. So I'm actually like, it sounds like weird and you will never know that from looking at the results, but like, I'm actually really proud that I was able to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's- I was going to say, I, we, we sort of started off, you know, the, the podcast we were talking about how we need to celebrate, you know, Estonia finishing eighth place is awesome, right? It's, you know, it's not winning, but that is not necessarily, obviously the goal is to win, but, but I think you, you celebrate the successes that's a success right there, you know, overcoming all of that, going out there, shooting clean and and having that race and just being able to have that as a memory in your memory bank of I overcame this obstacle. I, I went out there, I competed hard and I did my, you know, I did awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like in biathlon, luckily we have so many things that we can celebrate. Like yeah. even if you have a horrible day. In prone, you can celebrate if you shot clean in standing or Mm -hmm. if you had a bad day in the range, you can celebrate your ski speed or vice versa. Or like there's so many little things you can still celebrate. Like maybe you had great skis. Maybe you did some little detail well, which Mm -hmm. might not like show in the eventual results sheet. But like you still have something to celebrate after every race. It's really hard to find sometimes. But especially the seasons like last year, I really had mm. to find those little things to celebrate. Mm-hmm. What's one of those little things? Because um, I was going to ask you, what, it must have been feeling fantastic to be in uh, Autopay 
at the World Cup. Can you tell yes. us a bit more about how that was for you? Definitely. It was definitely a dream come true. Actually, a dream that I couldn't even like know to dream of when I was younger. Mm. Like we had always had those cross-country skiing World Cups in Otapa and a lot of people went and like watched those and it was like a a tradition winter tradition in Estonia. But then to have a World Cup in biathlon, it just like felt so unreal. Like two of my worlds came together, like mm -hmm. on the bat where I trained all the time and my familiar like World Cup world where I've spent all my winters, like the same like <laughs> banners, the same people, like everything. And it was so surreal just to go to Otapa for the World Cup. The first day it was, I was just mind blown. I was just like, this is crazy. Like two worlds are like here together. And it was so overwhelming because like, you know, all the organizers, you know, all the fans, like all of your friends and family are coming to watch and like, it's great and it's wonderful, but it was so overwhelming. I was mm -hmm. exhausted by the end of the week. <laughs> I was already exhausted from the season, like traveling to Beijing, being sick, like still having to keep compete in Kondilati, like coming straight from Finland to back home. Like you have, like after the Olympics, like it was the first time when we were able to like see some of our friends because we had been quarantining for mm -hmm. the longest time. And then Otapa World Cup was um, a place where I saw so many of my closest friends that I hadn't seen for months, some of them for over a year. So like, it was just like this overwhelming feeling of like seeing everyone finally and not being stressed out of getting COVID. And like, of course, it's still like a threat, but like, if you have to miss Oslo, that's not like such a big deal. And so there were so, so many emotions. It was so cool to see that so many people came out because the tickets, tickets were actually sold out because we had COVID um, restrictions on how many mm -hmm. tickets we could sell. Uh, so like everyone was asking me like, do you have tickets? Because they were sold out <laughs> and like, it, it was so fun, but it was so overwhelming, but it's like looking back, it's one of the coolest experiences that I have ever had. And in the mixed relay, I, I was expecting not to start because I was the fourth girl, mm -hmm. but then I still had to go again for my team. And I was so tired that like, I was legit like, can I do the seven and a half kilometers course? Like I was, I've like never been really like so tired before the start of the race, like emotionally, physically, everything. Mm -hmm. But the people were so loud, so supportive. They were like singing, like, give me hope, Joanna in Estonian <laughs> <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And like all your friends and family and like, you just cannot give up. You, you're like, it wasn't me skiing. It was like outer body experience. And somehow I made it through and it was amazing. So I got, uh, I got goosebumps when you were saying that. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be on when we were watching it. Uh, we, we were just, we were loving the fans, uh, that were there and everyone was just so enthusiastic and, and we were, we were thrilled, right. To see the, the world championships are coming there. And, uh, is it 27, 26, 27, 27. Yeah. 27. Yep. I got it. I go with my well, gut. I, I, right. uh, I think Contiolati was one of the first World Cups where they had a crowd again, but still limited. And I think Estonia, 
was one of the first where like like mm-hmm. you said it was still limited but it seemed like the whole stadium was full and um it, it felt like a crowd and then you know the people were fantastic so oh my yeah. gosh were they ever yeah yeah it was a like it was a shock for us too because like we had been racing without a crowd for such a long time mm-hmm. and then suddenly to be at home in front of your home crowd it was it was great <laughs> How was the shooting with, you know, that same crowd and all of a sudden, you know, it's already louder that there's a crowd at all. And then I'm assuming that, you know, especially when you come in, everybody's dead quiet and cheering or. I remember hearing the cheers, but I was like, like I I expected it to happen because it happened in trainings a few times. And at first I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, it's like a training day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) People are cheering for me. Usually it's like for the Germans (laughs) or someone else. Mm -hmm. But like I was so, like I was zoned in. Like I was locked in. I was like mentally so like in it. It was such a cool experience. Like you can physically hear it, but like you're blocking it out Hmm. in your head to like, it's not going to affect your thoughts. If that makes any sense at all. That's awesome. I'll be also be honest. That is a skill that I do not have. If I was out there shooting and people were cheering like that, I would be so thrown off. <laughs> well, it's especially at the shooting where I, I don't know. I would always feel like when you come into the stadium and you hear the mumbling and then it dies down. And then as soon mm-hmm. as you shoot and you're there, hey, like from 10,000 people <laughs> must be really hard to block that out. But um, yeah, I guess you train for that, but. Yeah, but it's like, there's like physical exhaustion. But like, for example, in RuPaulding in that most recent relay, like my uh, coach was telling me splits. Like after I went out of the last shooting, like I could physically hear him Hmm. and I could hear the tone. And I knew that like, it's not a done deal. I have to go from his Mm -hmm. tone, but I couldn't like understand any of the words. (laughs) And it wasn't because he wasn't loud enough. I just like, couldn't focus on the words and later on i asked him like did you like what did you tell me because i literally like couldn't make sense of anything you said i just heard that you were cheering and it was like a go time and like i went for it (laughs) so it's it's really weird it's really hard to like i don't even know how i do it or how i think a lot of biathletes do it but we just we just go and zone in and you just like tunnel vision Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of that race, do you remember the specifics of it? Like what happened, like coming out of, do you know who was behind you or, you know, any of that? Now I do. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Hauser was 16 seconds behind me mm-hmm. out of the last shooting in Rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was told that information. I didn't get it, but I went for it. <laughs> and I knew it. Like our goal was to be eighth because, um, yeah. Like we were eighth last year and we didn't really like speak of it beforehand with the girls, but like everyone knew that the goal is to be eighth. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I went like, I skied hard. I knew that I still had some energy left and like, I'm not like completely falling apart. And, um, there were so many people cheering for me. Like all the boys had already arrived at the stadium, um, there were like Estonian wax techs, all the or the girls that had already finished their legs, and like there were so many people cheering, and I just like got all the energy from that, and like I could see that I have to make a fresh face for them, but they would know <laughs> that I still have it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was really confident, and then I heard from um, 
I was already like at the top of the the first big uphill when I heard that Hauser is 12 seconds back, which wasn't even correct. But I knew that I have only one uphill left by that time. And mm-hmm. I still like, I'm not dead. So I got it. I got it. <laughs> and eventually it was a 26 second gap. So. Wow. Let's say, yeah, you, you definitely, you expanded. I, w- I actually had, I had, if you didn't remember, I had all of your splits pulled up and I, we were, I was going <laughs> to like, I was going to ask you like, did you know? Yeah. Cause I thought that was, that was pretty neat. Yeah, I found out all that information afterwards. <laughs> oh man! Um, and then uh, I know you're you're probably running out of time. You've got you've got roommates and thing people who want to who want to bang down your door. I'm sure. But um, just real quick, kind of what's the uh, what's the atmosphere like in Switzerland right now? Um, I had never been here before, so it's a totally new place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like. Uh, it's kind of like the IBU cup team here and I've been with the world cup team most of the mm-hmm. season. So it's really cool to see the faces that I hadn't seen for, for a while, like since the summer or since the last training camps. Mm-hmm. Um, so the atmosphere in the team is really good. Um, the weather has been amazing in here and of course it's European championships. So there's, um, a couple more world cup people, uh, here now, mm-hmm. uh, compared to like, a regular IBU cup. And, um, there's a little, uh, like, I don't know if you call, call it like stands or like a little place where the spectators could go to watch the race today. And I think it was like full and it's mm. midweek. So yeah. it's pretty cool. And yeah, yeah. there's going to be a world cup here next year. So, yes. so that's pretty exciting. And I was actually like, thinking like, where are they going to put all the all the people that's going to show up? But <laughs> right? I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm sure they're going to figure yeah, it out. They'll find a way. Yeah, because it's a it's a regular World Cup stop next year, and then the year after it's a World Championship. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Well, what you got to do is you got to file away all of your little uh, file away all of your notes. You'll have the leg up on everybody who uh, who went straight to the World Championships. I guess so. <laughs> I was going to uh, ask you when you were talking about splits and now filing away the notes. Are you using I, I I'm have a bit of a analytics background and like to do the uh, statistical analysis and stuff. Do you use data a lot or your coaching team or um I think I personally go through like the competition analysis after every race, like see my shooting time, my ski time, like ski time per lap, all that kind of stuff. But it's difficult to um, to um, compare because the conditions vary so much based on the snow conditions right. and the course, um, just how the courses are built. Um, we used to use data a lot more when we had, um, like with my old coach, um, she is a like physiologist and she worked mm. really well with data. And um, she compared a lot of stuff, but it's also like, it's really hard to like figure out what is the, like is the change because of your improvement or because you're doing something differently or it's because of the conditions or the venue or the profile of the course or, so it's really difficult to filter out the noise in the data, I think in biathlon, but otherwise I like, I love Excel and like, I love to work with data otherwise. So (laughs) Yeah, it's it's um it's uh, it's difficult and but I think some data definitely should be used. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of like 
use your knowledge to filter out some things and like, yeah, data can lie, but it's mm-hmm. still useful in biathlon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, people can lie too, right? So, oh yeah. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, you always have to be careful with the information you're getting. But uh, well, if you yeah. don't mind me asking after a race, what's the first thing you look at? If you're going to look at any of your data. Depends. Depends on the day. Like, mm-hmm. mm, sometimes you don't want to look at anything when you've had a really <laughs> bad day. <laughs> Nor is a bliss sometimes. Um, but usually, like, ski time and shooting time, these mm-hmm. are pretty standard. Uh, but whatever you're like, oh, today I felt like I shot, like, really fast in standing, mm-hmm. for example. Like, I want to see mm-hmm. how fast that was. Or, like, I feel like I really, like... I started too fast. So you want to mm-hmm. see the difference between your like first loop and second loop or like something like that. So it really depends on like, there's usually something that stands out from every race. And mm-hmm. so usually that's what I go look at for like. First. And after pursuit race, do you look at the final results or the isolated results? Um, usually both actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like again, if I've had a really bad day, I I will really not focus on looking at the results for <laughs> such a long time just to not like kill my confidence completely because yeah, you're I... already like feeling pretty bad. And so yeah, then you don't really want to see like, okay, I lost like three minutes or something. But if you had a like a decent day or like a good day, you definitely like look at the results and like see like, okay, like I felt like I did that part really well mm-hmm. but i was still like that far behind like mm-hmm. the world's best or something so you see like on a good day you stand here and you know where like you stand on a like a not so good day so yeah you can like you can like still see where you can improve and like sometimes you are like really good at something like you could even go down to like who skied the the finishing stretch the fastest you know yeah, it's yeah. Like, always like, mm-hmm. fun things like that you know right yeah, there's always a risk of playing with it. And then two hours later, you're like, oh, I probably should have been <laughs> yep. sleeping by now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, definitely guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Same. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, when, you, when you're not racing, right, do you, do you watch like the men's race? So if it's like a, like a sprint and you raced on Thursday and the men race on Friday, do you sit down and watch it? Or is it just, are you busy off, you know, you're doing your job and doing other things? Usually we do watch the men's race. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it like, it gives you a lot of information that like you kind of need to know, like, I don't know, you can see how the wind worked for the men or you can like learn some things to use mm, in mm-hmm. your next races at the same weekend. You can, and also it's like, you are in this world. Like if someone like your friend and like mm-hmm. you see your friend at dinner and they had an amazing race and you had no idea. It just mm-hmm. feels kind of weird. Like, yeah, you know, or your teammates, like we are all curious, like we're all friends. We all like want our teammates to do well. We all want our like good friends to do well. So yeah, that's, you're, you're still like curious. And for the men's race, we are just fans, you know, I think the Swedish team posted a picture some time ago where they were they following did, yep. it. Like, they had the TV open. They had the IBU app open. They had the data mm-hmm. center open. <laughs> yeah. That's how we do, we do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody was piled onto like one bed and like right around the the TV. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Yep. 
Yep. And then they get all sick after that. <laughs> oh, they did? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, that Well, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like last two seasons when we all were isolated in our rooms, they were so bad for everyone's mental health, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. We are yeah. so glad to have like some sense of normal, like normality yeah. back. And like, of course, people are still wearing masks, but I think that's such a small thing. Like if you can still like socialize with people, that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that makes it yeah. way more fun. Yeah, for sure. I've said this about three times already, but before you go, I've got, I've got a few more questions for you. Speaking of being able to do things, um, it was in Pokiuka. Um, I think it was on the day after the, your first race. It was like all the women went out and were taking pictures around town. Was there like some, it was everybody put up pictures on Instagram. Was it like a group outing or was it just, you guys had that you had your training done, you had the day. And so you went out and just enjoyed the the lake and the, the area around. It's just so beautiful in there. Like if you go on a run around the lake, which is like a pretty standard thing we do, mm-hmm. um, you just like cannot like not take pictures. It's just too gorgeous. And I think it just ha- happened to be at the same time. I don't know that there would have been any group outing like at the at that time. <laughs> it was just it was unreal because it was like I just happened to be scrolling through and it was like gorgeous picture of Pokeuket, gorgeous picture, gorgeous picture. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that what tends to happen when you're in Slovenia. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and then one of the questions we've asked a lot of people, but like, where is your favorite place to go? So of all of the normal stops. It's a really difficult question, actually. Like yeah. a lot of places have their own, like, like bled is beautiful in Slovenia, mm-hmm. but it's not like at the venue. It's like half an hour away. So like mm-hmm. the place to stay like in is bled because it's so beautiful. Um, then that some places you have like the best hotel because like mm. it's the best food or like the comfiest bed or whatever. And then I think the venue is like on it's, it's just gorgeous in there. But at the same time, like I don't really love the course profile. Mm. So, and I love the course profile in Oberhof, but if I say Oberhof is my favorite place, a lot of people are going <laughs> to come back. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's really tricky. You know, Although you, love- you were definitely most, most excited when you were talking about Camor, I must say. <laughs> That's true. We get to go there not so often, so it's more special, I would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. yeah. And it- any new place is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Enjoy Switzerland. Um, yeah. So uh, are we going to see you racing uh, in the sprint race uh, on Friday? Yes. Perfect. All right. So we will be awake. Uh, I think it's uh, maybe... 2 a.m. RJ's time, so we'll be. <laughs> I don't know if he'll stay up later. Uh, we'll get up or we'll watch you. We'll cheer for. We'll cheer loud for you. Absolutely. Thanks. But if you want to sleep and like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Morning, that's totally no, no. We fine. we made the commitment. We will yeah. be there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yep. No. I hope you do well. And Absolutely. thank you so much for for coming on. Like, oh, you have another. No, we got to give oh. you a chance. We we talked about honey power. Once again, honey power, delicious. Uh, we want to give you a chance. Any uh, Anybody you want to give a special shout out to? Any sponsors or, uh, you know, anybody? Well, I have another um, personal sponsor. It's Palti Logistica. And 
I also want to give a shout out to like all the coaches that I worked with over the years. Uh, there's been so many. Um, everyone um, from the U.S., for example, Mike, that fixed my rifle yesterday. <laughs> 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 because he um, was one of the guys who um, was behind the design of my rifle stock. So I have a, a Lost Nation rifle, which is also a pretty unusual stock on the World Cup. But it's like made in Vermont. And um, so he had all the spare parts and like all the knowledge. And I was so glad when I broke it yesterday that like, I was like, yes, Mike is here. I'm fine. I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. What did you do? I just uh, broke the, whatever thing was holding together my standing block. Okay. I, I, yes. It had me concerned. I was like, did you just get really upset and just like bang your rifle? No, on the ground? no, no. <laughs> like I was just tightening it too hard. I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's all good now. <laughs> Nice. All good. Set for the sprint. It's going to be a great weekend. Yes, absolutely. This is the turnaround for the rest of the season. This is it right here. So, um, uh, great weekend. And then you're, you gotta, you got a little bit of time off. You're going to go to worlds, uh, and, and your favorite course Oberhof, and you're going to, you're going to shine brightly on your favorite course. Yeah, that's the plan. Oberhof is going to be nice to us this year. It will. Yep. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe Estonia comes in seventh in the relay. We'll see. Why, why stop there? It's like why exactly? Why stop there? Hopes, but yeah, and everyone like asks us like, "How are you gonna do like in the relay? Like, are you in a good shape?" And like in biathlon, anything can happen. And like, yeah, oh, yeah. you are as clueless as everyone else. And that's what's <laughs> exciting about this sport. That's what's frustrating about this sport. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, that's why we love. That's why we love it. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. I, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. knocking on my door, so. Okay. <laughs> well, then it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.